0: Get him stopped.
1: God and Moses both in a sidecar did not drive a sprint car with a thousand horsepower. I swear to God, he's done a
0: double somersault backwards. My car won't go past wide open. Uh, my 50,000 came in a Twinkie box.
1: You know, I get my jollies off over looking at a nice car wash. You know he's gonna crash your shit, but he's still he's still got great stories. Oh, they disappeared. Oh, I'm leading, <laughs> I'm leading. <it. laughs> you plated your old ball sack and you just freaking let it eat. It's all goddamn assholes and elbows, and if you ain't right, they'll send your ass to the rear hello and welcome to open red episode 211 i am nick raziano and with me is rob it is rob sure is how's it going nick not too bad how have you been not too bad I, i
2: missed sprint car racing this weekend
1: yeah but on that note we have a lot
2: of exciting sprint car racing to come now we sure do uh we didn't this weekend. Where were we supposed to race this weekend? This weekend is supposed to be Magnolia and the Rev, right? It was supposed to be Magnolia and Rev, then it's supposed to be Cotton Bowl coming up. Right. So we lost this past weekend due to um, just really junky weather that was going through the Louisiana and Mississippi region. Uh, we lost this upcoming weekend at Cotton Bowl due to the snow and ice storm that has just wreaked havoc uh, throughout Texas and completely messed with their infrastructure uh, and has Hopefully they're starting to thaw out soon, but it just didn't seem right
1: to be going to Texas yeah, to go stage a sprint car race when people are suffering. Yeah, so it wouldn't have worked out well. As much as people would like to see an, an icy Eldora kind of track from the 2002 <laughs> sprint car game, we're, we're not going to see that anytime soon.
2: Yeah, but like you said, we now have plenty of fun yes. sprint car news coming because uh, Magnolia and the Rev have been rescheduled. Uh, Cotton Bowl has been rescheduled and. I think last week it was announced that the West Coast Swing was being canceled as COVID nineteen continues right. to do its thing, but those dates have now been replaced yes. with what's a really cool schedule.
1: Really, I'm very unfortunate that we lost the West Coast Swing, but I think a lot of people are going to be pleased with this uh, revised schedule that we've come out with now.
2: Yeah, um, I agree.
1: So where do we start off? So we're going to kick things off back at Volusia again, uh, Friday, March fifth, then. Uh, the day after, on Saturday, March 6th, we're going to return to East Bay Raceway Park for the first time since 1983. Pop quiz. Who won that race? Steve Kinzer. Nice job. It's almost like
2: he wrote the release. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> that's really cool. I mean, it's nearly 40 years uh, since the Outlaws have been at East Bay Raceway Park. Um, have you been to East Bay before, Nick? I haven't. Yeah, no. That is an, a really I've cool seen, race track. I've drive. seen
1: races there, but I haven't actually got to go yet. That, yeah, that's going to be fun.
2: I've been one time. Uh, I went. I went to a, a late model race for that other late model series uh, one time during speed weeks in 2015, and the place was super cool. And I, I, I can't wait to see sprint cars ripping around that place. Yeah, it'd be, be awesome. fun to
1: go back to Volusia too. And take my word for it. Get the pretzel there. Amazing. Blew my mind. Blew everybody's mind that had it. It's awesome. The pretzel. The pretzel. Yeah. Really.
2: Yes. I've been to Volusia and. Volusia does an incredible job with having a ton of food options. Oh, like it's Steak amazing. on a stick and the taco truck. Um,
1: I never would have thought about getting yeah. just a pretzel. It's just at the regular stand. It's only like three bucks. It's amazing. Really? It blew my mind. Interesting.
2: So, yeah, Friday, March 5th, going back to Volusia Speedway Park. Uh, basically, you know, the, the Saturday night portion of... Our three sprint car races was was rained out, and at the time it was canceled. But this is basically yeah, serving so as a make up race, so third
1: Volusia race now, so the third dirt cool.
2: car nationals race in a sense. Even the dirt car nationals is over with, so uh, that's cool. Friday, March fifth, back at Volusia Speedway Park, where it all started earlier this year, a couple weeks ago. Following up the night after that, going back to East Bay Raceway Park, like Nick said, for the first time since 1983.
1: Uh, and then right after that, March 12th and 13th, Magnolia and the Rev, two new tracks for the schedule.
2: So there's your makeup dates for those races that were supposed to be this past weekend. And then the weekend after that, more we're looking at March nineteenth and twentieth now is the makeup races at Cotton Bowl Speedway for the Texas two step, which was supposed to be this upcoming weekend. But now that will be March twelfth and thirteenth. I'm sorry, March nineteenth and twentieth. I looked at the paper a little bit weird. And then we get into some really cool stuff after that.
1: Yeah, some really exciting. I think a lot of fan favorite tracks here. We're gonna go yeah. March twenty sixth, we're going to US thirty six raceway. Uh, the day after that, we're going to Lake Ozark Speedway for the Jason Johnson Classic. It'll be 15000 to win there. Oh, that'll be awesome. That'll be cool. Then we're going to go uh, the following weekend, April 2nd and 3rd. It'll be a doubleheader at I 55. Yes. Always fun. Always exciting. You know Sheldon's going to be ripping around that mm-hmm. place. Um, then the weekend after that. We're Speaking of ha- Sheldon. Speaking of Sheldon, you mentioned him the weekend after that. Oh, we're yeah. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> Kokomo. <laughs> Yes, April 9th, Kokomo. Yeah, that that crazy pass he made. It was the dash. The dash was the splitting with the Donnie and a cool Reitzel. Move.
0: Yes,
2: such a cool pass.
1: And then I mean the the feature was awesome as
2: well. I really thought Donnie was going to get win three hundred that night. Uh, we've thought that a few times now. It's coming. I mean it's oh, guaranteed. It's, gonna it's coming. But thought it was going to happen that night and maybe even
1: one of these one, one of these stretches. I wouldn't be surprised. But after Kokomo, Saturday April tenth. Back to Tri-State Speedway. Hobstad. That's awesome. That's always fun. That'll be great. Um, Tickets for these events go on sale Wednesday,
2: February 24th at 9 a.m. Eastern Time. You can get your tickets at worldofoutlaws.com. And if you already had tickets for the races at Magnolia, the Rev and or Cotton Bowl Speedway, and you cannot make it on their new dates. You have until March 25th to request a refund. Just wanted to put that out there just in case you can't make it to these these uh, new dates. But, of course, hopefully you can use those tickets that you've already got, and we'll be seeing you at, at the racetrack for what is a really awesome new schedule that, that the Outlaws have put out uh, to take the place of, of the West Coast Swing.
1: Yeah, it's awesome to see us be able to do this and not have to take any we breaks, we're just going right back into it and gonna get in a roll here. I beg you, Mother Nature, please cooperate with us. Yeah, it's we've 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 had no offense. We've had enough of you.
2: Yeah, go away. Let us race sprint cars. Let us have some fun. Just want to see cars go fast. Please, that's <laughs> all. That's all we want. It's all we want. We've got a great guest today,
1: Nick. Awesome guest. It was I, a great great conversation.
2: I had, you know, even though the the subject matter got really serious. Uh, near the end, I had uh, a ton of fun speaking with this guest today.
1: I think Thought it was great. Even though he he has a lot of good stories, and I think even just that subject matter that we get into, a lot of people know about, um, I think it's good for people maybe dealing with it.
2: Yeah, Something absolutely. similar
1: in a way to kind of hear how he went through that and um, just kind of that, that keep smiling mentality.
2: Absolutely. Um, so our guest today is the uh, executive director of marketing and PR. I nailed it. Yes. That was, man, that was a struggle to learn and remember that because last week I butchered your title like eight times. like People don't know that the finished product was like take 10 (laughs) because I just kept
1: screwing it up. I liked every one of them. though. I mean, it got kind of kept getting higher as you keep messing it up. <laughs> like, all right, more important, more important. But all right, we'll, we'll, we'll stick with whatever it is. So,
2: yeah, today's guest is Chris Dolak. Uh, he's he's worked here for a, a very long time and one of the uh, the mainstay faces uh, within within the offices here at uh, the World of Outlaws. Uh, super great person, super positive person, uh, and you'll get to hear a, a lot about his his journey throughout his career, his journey throughout the last. Uh, year or so, uh, dealing with, with some health issues and, um, and, and the way he, like you said, Nick, stayed positive and, and kept smiling. And it, it was really fantastic. Ton of fun.
1: Yeah. It's great, great interview. It's definitely one of our longest ones, but it, it just flies by just because it's so many good stories he has and the I way agree. he tells it, too.
2: I, I was actually stunned when I, when I looked up at the, the timer and, and saw how many minutes had gone by because it felt like we'd only been talking for a Yeah, like five. really? It was, uh, ton of fun. But before we get to that, we're going to welcome back our friends from Manscaped. Nick. Ooh. I think this is the first time you get to talk
1: about Manscaped on Open Red, too. I'm very excited. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I mean, I'm really excited as well that they came back with us. Uh, if you've been listening to Open Red for a while, you probably heard back in November and December, uh, uh, Ross and I did a, a few mentions of, of Manscaped, and we're really glad that they came back for more here. Um and, and, and kept partnering with us here at, at Open Red um, because they offer just a fantastic piece of equipment. Uh, well, I heard with, an Italian
1: was going to be on the show, like, oh, we got to go back.
2: We have two Italians now yeah, hosting exactly. this That's, show, which the Lawnmower 3.0 is clutch for you and I. It's.
1: Need I say more?
2: <laughs> <laughs> but we will. So be, and, and we will because uh, not only is it not going to, to nick you, and uh, that was a that's name phone right there. Um, you're not going to get snagged, but also it's waterproof, so you can use it in the shower if you need to. It has a it has a light on it, an LED light uh, that you know you can. Sometimes showers are not the most well lit. I don't know what your shower is like, Nick.
1: Yeah, I mean there's a kind of window, but you know it could get dark. Listen, maybe you like that that mood shower, but yeah.
2: So sometimes yeah. it could be hard to see what you're doing uh, when you're especially. Working in a sensitive region and trying not to cut yourself or nick yourself. Uh, so, yeah, I use it twice. And I don't know if it's good or bad though? What's that? The nick. I mean, in the way I just use it, it probably is not so good. Probably not. No. Yeah. It's a snag. Would Be another synonym for it. Maybe the snag. Yeah. Uh, you don't want to cut yourself. Yeah. <laughs> um, is basically what we're getting at. But with the lawnmower three point you won't. Uh, and it's. It's included now in Manscaped's performance package. It's the best buy of 2021 because we are in 2021. Now we have kissed 2020, that awful godforsaken year goodbye, and we have moved on to 2021 where you can now get the Manscaped performance package, and it comes with the Lawnmower 3.0, the Weed Whacker for ear and nose hairs because, uh, again, as a fellow Italian, you and I both know how obnoxious those are. They're just very unsightly. Just the um, other day,
1: had to clean it up again. Yeah, you got to do what you got to
2: do. And, and, and I'm sure you did it with the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer by Manscaped. Uh, and also included in the performance package, of course, is the Crop Preserver Anti-Chafing and Deodorant, mm. uh, which will keep you nice and fresh down there, uh, which is very important. And of course, the Crop Reviver, which is a spray-on toner, uh, which it's made with nice soothing aloe, because in, in case you, know, you get out of the shower and your pores are all open everywhere, and if you just... Did accidentally get yourself, if you were not using the lawnmower 3.0 for whatever reason, now you're going to want to put some aloe on there and soothe yourself. and Now you can do that using the Crop Reviver, and you can get all of this 20% off plus free shipping if you use the code OPENRED20 at manscaped.com. So once again, that's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code OPENRED20. I'll say it one more time for you, Nick, just in case you you didn't hear it the first two times. 20% off, free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code OPENRED20. Nick, your balls will thank you. Oh, perfect. Not going to nick it. There you go. You do not want to. So with that said, without further ado, I think it's time to welcome in our guest, Chris Dolak. What do you say, Nick? Let's do it. All right. Here we go. (laughs) Our guest this week on Open Red is the Executive Director of Marketing and PR for the World Racing Group and the World of Outlaws and iRacing legend, Chris Dolak. Chris, how are you doing? I'm uh, lovely.
0: iRacing legend is perhaps stretching it a bit.
2: You had some legendary moments last year during those
0: uh, Dirt Car eSports shows. A lot of Dirt Vision time. A lot, yeah, a lot of, <laughs> lot of Dirt Vision time. A lot of uh, uh, back of heat race and LCS moments. You got um, a lot of mentions from announcer Chase Rodman, though. I did, yeah. That was would have Been better to have get them for you know doing something positive like you know winning or transferring or anything like that, but yeah. hey, you got to you know take what you can get. It entertains sponsors love TV time, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah, 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 they do exactly uh, to the point that my kid said, well, Why don't I just race under your name? <laughs> <laughs> We're close to that point. <laughs> did you have fun though doing it? Oh, I had a blast, yeah, it was fun, That's definitely, good. definitely.
2: So we wanted to have you on, Nick, and I were talking about it because, um, you know, so much has gone on in your life and, and, and also publicly over the last, what, six to eight months or so. I think fans have all seen the, the hashtag smiles for DOLAC uh, tags on social media and the signage at the racetracks. And, and I, I think a lot of people don't know who you are and, and why you're so important to this company. So we thought it would be a good idea to have you on. So Importance is a stretch. <laughs>
1: I don't <laughs> think so. I, I, I think it's accurate. Okay, yeah, okay. I
2: I think so. So we we were talking and we we wanted to hear your story. So how how long ago did you get started with World Racing Group and World of Outlaws?
0: I came on board in uh 2004. Um I remember being so I, I'm an old newspaper magazine guy. That's that's what I was doing and um uh, I was uh, covering racing for the uh, newspaper in Pittsburgh, the Post Gazette, and I used to have a Sunday uh, Sunday page where it covered all the racing. So you're covering NASCAR and IndyCar, NHRA, all that. And uh, I always wanted the World of Outlaws in there. It was, I mean, for for Western PA, you know, I loved Lernerville Speedway every Friday night. I used to, I used to rig my schedule around a little bit so I could make sure I was out to Lernerville to talk to all the guys on a regular Friday night, and. Um, trying to cover the outlaws back, you know, 2003, 2000, 2003 into 04 was a bit of a transition year for the, the, the series and the, the company and all that was, was moving over from, uh, Ted Johnson's world into this world. And, um, it was, there were some challenging moments to try to get what you needed to go cover the series. And I was at LaSalle Speedway. I remember this and, uh, the program that year had uh, Steve, as you'd expect, Steve on the cover, but the design was a little sketchy. It was a little, it was actually sketchy is a good way to put it because I think it involved a sketch. <laughs> uh, in any case, so I remember saying to one of the guys there, I said, "Hey, can I at least help you with the design of your program cover?" And I remember the guy telling me, "Oh, the programs are diabolical," was the word he used. I was like, "Ooh, geez. okay, that's a <laughs> that's." interesting. So anyway, so I kind of let it, let it go. And, um, uh, you know, went back to covering uh, all the different types of racing and all that and covering the outlaws. And then, um, I uh, got a call somewhere in the fall about meeting up with the, the folks that were, were running the series now and, uh, coming down and meeting with them and helping them do some writing and things like that. And it, one thing turned into another and in 2005 turned into 2006 and six turned into seven and here we are in 2021. I'm still here.
2: What has been actually before I ask that question? I guess so. You said you grew growing up in Pittsburgh. How did you even get interested in in racing? And I, in, in I actually grew up in Chicago, it, are Chicago oh, really? area.
0: Yeah, I grew up in Chicago area, and we moved to uh, my wife and I moved to Western PA in the uh, mid 90s for for her. Um, um, she's a doctor, actually. You know, so of the things I've done right in life, there was I mean, she's pretty spectacular. And we moved out there for her deal. And uh, I wound up... I was actually working in magazines, wound up going out there and uh, getting hooked up with the newspaper. Um, so, for me, when I was a kid, when I was real little, the we went to some races around. Um, my dad's a car guy. And uh, we went to races. We used to go up to Road America and things like that. Um, we went to Santa Fe Speedway, saw the outlaws there. Um, but uh, when I was 10 say I was 10 years old. It was 1981. Went to the Indianapolis 500 for the first time. And we sat front row right by the flag stand. Somehow my dad got tickets through business. And, um, it was unbelievable. I mean, the, the sights, the sounds, um, I swear Bobby Unser was waving to me every lap because (laughs) I was waving to him. You know, maybe you learn later that he was signaling his pit crew, but (laughs) To me, as a ten-year-old, I thought he was waving to me every lap every time he went by, and um, I, I was pretty much hooked. Then we got a go kart after that, and um, you know, I, you're racing a go kart in a parking lot, and you think you're you're racing it in Indianapolis in your mind as a as a kid, and um, uh, so then one thing led to another, and uh, I uh, uh, had the opportunity to do some some writing. You know, when you start out, you're covering everything. Doesn't matter what you're covering. My first day on the job of, of covering anything, I covered a baseball game, a high school baseball game and boys state gymnastics sectional, which the I remember the editor saying, y- can you do that? Cause, and I said, oh, yeah, no problem. I'd never seen that or, you know, didn't even know what I showed up and somehow made it through that night. <laughs> they sent me out to do something else the next day. So then that. But having the uh, the chance to go, um, at the, the publishing company I was working at in Evanston, Century Publishing, they, we had an auto racing magazine, and uh, the editor there would assign me to uh, stories to go write about different things. There was always usually Car stuff, and then I wound up running that magazine for a little bit as, a, as an editor, and um, I brought the Outlaw stuff into it. Um, there was some Outlaw stuff every once in a while, but I made sure every issue we had an Outlaw story, because I just, I kind of... The guys, the the people, you know, they're so, they're just cool. They're good guys to talk to and all that down to earth. And then, so we move out to uh, Western PA and um, I, I hadn't really been around that much dirt racing. It was mostly, I, not that I was ever really around it, around it, but as a, as a kid, as a fan growing up here, it was in Chicago, area, IndyCar is a little bit bigger than really anything else. You know, there's no NASCAR. There wasn't really any of that. And, um, uh, Once I went to Lernerville, that's when I got hooked on dirt. Lernerville is the one, is the track. that Just the atmosphere there on a Friday night, um, you know, super late models, 410 sprints, big block modifieds, and pure stocks. And sometimes the pure stocks put on the best show. But every Friday night, those four divisions, and those guys always created a story. Um, There would be drivers that you know you had to get into the pit area before they got their helmet off, and your column was written for the week. Because they would just fly off the handle about something, and it would be, like, spectacular. You know, you didn't have to – barely had to ask a question. But then the Outlaws would come in. The, the Gum Out series was starting back then, and uh, they came into Lernerville early on. Um, but, it, you know, the the Silver Cup, Mark Kinzer used to win that thing, like, constantly. But Sammy and Steve were always back and forth on who had the most wins at Lernerville. So many great stories, and um, – I, I just, I had a blast back then and that's carried through. And then, you know, when you, you come to a place like this, where we do have all of that, um, it's, it's, it's similar in a way because you can be working on late miles one day, sprint cars, big blocks, um, any one of Sam's divisions in the dirt car world. Um, in a way it's oddly similar to what I was, was having a blast with at Lernerville.
1: I know you were have worn a lot of different hats here what what did you first start doing and wh- how did you keep transitioning to different titles and even the series director for uh, the late models
0: um yeah so when i when i first came in the door uh i think i was i think they just called me a like a senior writer or something like that i was writing i was just writing I and mean, that's what i did I, I treated this as if it was like a beat for a newspaper that's the way i i approached everything i did um went on the road in 2005 with the sprint cars and and hit the races there. And, um, I, I treated it like I was a beat. I mean, that was my, um, you know, I, I wasn't really much of a PR guy per se. I was a reporter who was covering just this one thing. And, um, it went from there. Uh, and then we went and took, um, uh, in 2006, we were able to expand a little bit somewhere, somewhere in 05, they asked me, if I'd be willing to kind of help everybody out across the board with our PR stuff, whether it was just, you know, kind of was focused on sprint cars at the start, but then somewhere around Knoxville or a little bit after Knoxville, they asked if I'd be willing to help everybody out across the, the, the board. So the late models and the modifieds and all that. And I was like, yeah, no doubt. Cause again, going back to my learnville experience, it was, to me, that was the coolest thing was we had all these different cars and all the drivers. Um, those drivers, the, the drivers, whether you were going before at learnville or, or even when you come in here, these guys are just so cool to talk to. Um, and they're so easy to talk to most of the time, if depending on when you get them, you know, don't take a TV crew to talk to Steve Kinzer between hot laps and, and qualifying. I learned that like, I think at Hobstot pretty much early on in the season. <laughs> I was never going to do that again. Um, Did he not want to talk? Well, he, he, I think the quote was, I'm kind of busy here. (laughs) (laughs) And I I looked down, I was like, you're right. We'll we'll come back. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, uh, you know, the the guys were just tremendous and, and having somebody out there, I think was, you know, I think they appreciated that. And so we, we grew from there really. Um, Then we went in 2006 um, brought Tony V on, Tony Veneziano came on board on the Sprint cars. I went over and started helping the late models out. Then we brought Kevin Kovac in and late models. Uh, Tom Skabinski was helping the modify or was doing the modified work up in the Northeast. And we just kept growing and expanding and expanding to where we are now, which is um, probably the biggest PR team we have um, in the time I've been here. We've got uh, from the dirt car world, uh, Sam's world at the UMP stuff and, Uh, all of our series covered it's it's in, you know, really good guys, really, you know, everybody's got like different skill sets, which is kind of neat because everybody can lean off of somebody. I'm not exactly Mr. Social, you know, social media guy, but we've got, you know, Brian Walker is obviously really good on there. And Nick is, you know, from all different capacities, you know, from great on social, incredible storyteller, a great writer, um, so we just we have a great team right now um, of, of guys that um, really we can all lean on each other. And I, I think it works out really well.
2: Nick touched on uh, that short time period where you were the series director for the, for the late models. What was that like? Because that seems so drastically different from the rest of your background.
0: Yeah, um, I think when you're around here enough, you start to think you know more than you do. Because, <laughs> you know, you sit and meet, you're like, well, I could do that. Um, no, I, um, you yeah, know, I knew a lot of those guys. Um, and one of the things I wanted to do was to, I, you know, I always want to promote our guys. And uh, I want to do what I can to make names, bigger names, want their names out there as household names. If we could ever get to that point, you know, where, where, Everybody knows who these guys are, and that was kind of my mentality going in. There as a series director, and I remember telling him, "I said, we better make sure we have a good tech guy because I'm I'm sure as heck not. I mean, I'm a good go kart crew chief, maybe, but it. I said, just do say that. Yeah, if we finish in the top five, <laughs> he'll he'll take the credit. If we but finish outside the, five, outside the top five, it's my fault.
2: You're a championship winning go kart.
0: I am. Though. I am. Yeah, we we. I'd we, say that's pretty good. Yeah, we no, we I did. We had a We had a. We had a really good run there for a while. And then the rules changed, and I, you know, I know I was out to lunch on a couple stuff, a couple things. But
2: those I, darn directors changing rules, yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Those rule book changes. <laughs> it's like, man, they mess with you. We don't have to change the weight rule again, do we? Um. Anyway, but uh, yeah. No, so I got out there, and um, we, you know, we were all right. But what what I found when I was out there was that what they needed was. Um, was somebody different than what I was trying to do. And what I wanted to do was was just not going to happen. And um, at the same time, you know, it's all timing. A lot of this stuff is timing on when things come. So at the same time, you know, I knew Matt Curl had an interest in in joining up with what we were doing. And Matt had been running a track and had been dealing with a lot of the issues that were popping up. And I was not, I was on the phone constantly trying to deal with, you know, what other tires or deck height or shocks, you know, that it was like, this is not, not getting anywhere near what I wanted to do and what, what agenda I was trying to push through because I was constantly dealing with other stuff. And, um, I think in the end, uh, when I knew Matt was interested in, in taking that, I I went to the guys up front and I said, look, why don't we shift this around a little bit here? you know, put me back in a role where I'm probably going to benefit the company the most. Matt's interested in it. He's going to take it and he's going to push this agenda. He's you know, promoter at one of the tracks we race at. And uh, it made a lot of sense. And, and so we went down that road. Um, and now with Casey running the series, Casey's a racer. And I think that's perfect for what those guys need.
2: I think that's a really admirable trait to have to realize that what you were trying to do wasn't working and, and, be willing to make a change before having someone someone else come to you and say, hey, we need to make this change?
0: Well, it's just, I mean, it, we're all one team here. I, that's the beauty of this place is, is we're all, you know, we're all one unit. We all pretty much work together. We're, yeah, we all have different focuses and responsibilities, but everybody helps everybody else out. And, you know, when you see that it, it just makes more sense for this person to be in that role they're probably going to be more happier in that role or more comfortable, probably be able to to move the needle forward a little bit more, then it it makes more sense to do that. I, I don't know.
1: Obviously, PR in motorsports has changed a lot and evolved a lot. Even what we've done today is more than some oh, yeah. sprint car guys have seen. Was it hard trying to get some guys to adapt to some of the things we wanted to try and get them to do or just get used to more PR?
0: I think getting used to me coming over there and asking a lot of questions all the time, you know, they weren't really used to having somebody um, coming over there. So you just had to learn the time, (laughs) the best time (laughs) of the day to do it, you know, and kind of busy. Yeah. Two in the afternoon when they're kind of hanging out at the trailer, that's a great time to go and talk to the guys and you get some really good stuff. And, um, you know, trying to do it at, at five o'clock or six o'clock is not the best time, but they're, they're all on the same page with us. They all want the same thing. Uh, It's just a matter of, finding the right time to do that. And, um, but yeah, I think there was, there wasn't a whole lot of, um, you know, early week stuff promoting the next week as far as either maybe there was one release or whatever. And we, we tend to push that a lot now, now with the way we're doing social and all that, I mean, back, back when I started there, I, there wasn't, I mean, maybe there was, I don't know, but I was, I was not on Twitter. I was not on Facebook, not any of that stuff. And, um, I mean, heck, I remember when we thought it was cool. We created a MySpace page here. We actually had <laughs> we actually had a MySpace thing because I, I think that was. I wish I could remember when we did that, but we actually had MySpace with all the driver mug shots and all that up there. And
2: did we have a cover song on the MySpace page? You, that know, the thing, you know, you know right? what—that
0: yeah, was a thing. I was going to say. We had I want to say we did because we had we would have people every so often pitch us songs, and I think we kept one of them and used it. Um, in fact, with one of the guys. I remember we did a um, a deal, his name's escaping me now, of course. That's going to be bad. But he, uh, he wrote a, a theme song that we used a, in a few spots, and they have a Speed Street thing down in Charlotte. They, I don't know if they still do it, but they, they had this Charlotte Speed Street deal during the race weeks in May. And we actually had Sammy, and uh, this uh, guy came down, and they were signing autographs down on Speed Street, and uh, I remember the guy, he, they just played the song over and over and over. And I kept feeling, I'm like, I think Sammy is just going to kill me by the time this is <laughs> over. But he, you know, he was, to his credit, he was great and signed everything all day long. It's um,
1: probably just still stuck in his head. It may still be. <laughs> he's yeah. going and going yeah.
0: and going. But
2: yeah. well, we have a homework assignment, Nick. We have to
0: find this song now. Uh, I'm sure there's a there's a CD. There's some people around here that probably remember that. Yes. We, we'll find out from Dunlap. Dunlap might have a copy of it somewhere
2: is going to happen. You bring you bring him up. You, you you and Brian Dunlap have overseen uh a lot of change and growth just in in this particular area of the building that we're sitting in right now uh, with doing so much broadcast stuff and and TV stuff. What what was that challenge like? I, I know that he he's shared stories with with myself of the the summer of money on ESPN for example. Cool. what was that like?
0: Um so you know, going back to, to let's say 2006, I think was the last year where we were on the uh, outdoor channel. And then the new group that came in that we were all, all part of, we brought all the TV in-house. So 2007, we brought it in-house and, and I used to, it, and it was kind of, you know, I think we were learning a little bit. We actually we were learning a lot um, cause I had never really done TV. Um, and so I was, basically the guy up in the booth with the, the broadcasters and I'd try to feed them storylines. I was kind of the storyline guy, I guess if you would put it that way, Brian was always been real sharp on the production and um, really, uh, you know, you know, the way his mind works around here, you right. look at, look at what this place is developed into and, and it, the wheels are always spinning. In his yeah. Mind. It, I mean, it's heck now with the midgets that he's got going and he's always just the Making way, the way his mind, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, the way his mind works, it's pretty phenomenal. And the things that we created, it's really, it started with the, the first trailer we had, we, we didn't have a trailer in 2005. There was like a tech trailer that got pulled by a dually. And I remember we were at Attica and uh, the, the phones went out that night. So there was no phone. There was nothing in the press box. And at that point, the dirt vision, there was audio that was Johnny's audio was free and there was no cell service. The phones went out and, I remember we, we got back to the hotel in Tiffin or wherever we were staying that night and our voicemails were just blew up from the guy that was running the Dirt Vision studio going, where are you guys? We can't get anything. And so if, by the end of the 2005 season, we sat down in Norman, Oklahoma, where the office was at that point, And I, I said, look, if you guys want to get to this level, we need to create something. We need to have a, a, a media center. You need a place for people to work. Because you go to these tracks, and a lot of the tracks, you know, they don't have a, a tower. If they have a tower, there's just enough room for the officials. There really isn't right. room for media. It's not really a – they call it a yeah. press box, but there's no room for press. I, I, you know, we sat there, – there was a track. I, I won't say what track, but I literally sat on a folding chair outside on the on the roof because that was where you had the ability to work. Yep. So we built this tra- – we, we talked with Brian Carter, and, and uh, they agreed, and we built this trailer – which is still in use in the Super Dercar Series, which is awesome. I love that it's still out there. But um, we we had a satellite on the roof, and we rolled that thing out, and that became the backdrop for the TV shows in 2006, and then really it continued on into 07 and uh, beyond. So we got we started doing the TV stuff. I was up in the the booth, and uh, I, I think it was the end of 2007, maybe the end of 2008, and I just remember there was a victory lane where we were at world finals. It must've been 2008. So that was after the summer money, which was, you know, that was a neat deal. I was like doing live TV every, every weekend. Um, for me, that was, it was like going back to the, my newspaper days. It was like doing a daily newspaper. You were like, I know it was like running a marathon every night.
2: Having to hit that deadline.
0: Yeah. Uh, it, there was it, the first one, I think it was the first one was at Knoxville and we wrapped that thing up. it was, six something in the morning hmm. and they were running to Whoa. a tv station in in town to upload it uh, in des moines and i remember brian and i we were talking like oh, we can't do this every week there's, <laughs> no way, there's no way this is gonna and uh so we we uh we got better at it the producers were great the the guys out of tulsa that we were working with dave bruner and his crew um they were just great people and and we got it dialed in pretty good and there's, I mean, some of the most fun we had was in that that deal, um, uh, the wave. I mean, we all, we always talk about the wave when McCarl went by shots and then waved at him, and then the red flag or the caution came out. <laughs> it's like, oh, whoa! <laughs> but the the things about like that was it at, at Casey Raceway Atomic. Now, we actually built um, uh, in the tower. We had to build that afternoon uh the studio for the the announcers because there was. The, the race directors were calling stuff right next to where the TV guys were broadcasting and where Johnny was calling the race. So those are the things, like, I, I remember more about what went into actually pulling that stuff off than probably the races themselves because there's a lot of crazy stuff that you have to do to make this stuff work, a lot of stuff that I didn't know and you know, learned. But um, at some point, I think it was 08, uh, it was th- that World Finals where when we did the deal where you have the, the winners, the champions, hoist the trophies at the end of the night, we were doing live. It was live, live television, and you're, you're just hearing all these voices. And you're you know you got the radio on. You've got two radios. You're hearing competition. You're hearing all this stuff, and they were counting down. they were going to miss the the champion, the the champions hoisting the trophies, which is what we wanted to roll out with. And I'm up in the tower, like screaming, losing, I just. I don't normally lose my mind, but I was losing my mind on that one. I'm (laughs) screaming into the thing and nobody is like, they've just got some switch off. That's, you know, just turn him off. We don't want to listen to him. And so after that, I was, Brian and I were talking, I said, you know, I think we can get anybody to go up in the tower and feed that stuff. I said, I might be better off down in the pit area, helping whoever down there. And so the next few years after that, I went down and was working in the pits with the pit, uh, brought the pit announcers and, um, trying to help uh, with the direct kind of the storyline stuff from down there and trying to be a go-between with some of the drivers, you know, because now you're talking about you need a driver to to come out of the truck in the middle of heat races or something like that. And so I would try to go up there and bridge the gap on some of that stuff. Uh, But, yeah, we had a lot of fun. We learned a lot. I I probably learned more than Brian. Brian's pretty sharp on all this. But um, for me, I was a storyline guy. And however – Whatever headset I had on, or however it it worked, is the way we made it work. Once we had PR guys in all the different series, it allowed me to float around a little bit more and kind of just help where I could.
1: Now, talking about trying to get drivers to do interviews, I know you have a pretty entertaining story that happened in the King's Royal.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. Well, that was uh, two. That was the 2009 King's Royal. I think we were looking at that. Yeah, um, that was the one. So the the whole day that that's probably one of the greatest stories. Um, we had the Goodyear blimp at a race in Charlotte, the the TV race before, and everybody thought it was the coolest thing. You get the Goodyear blimp, and you're looking down over the track, and you're. So we get to Eldora to do the Kings Royal, and we're trying to think, well, how are we going to get that perspective? And it turned out somebody had a helicopter, one of the car owners, uh, not not one of the full time guys, but one of the Midwestern guys, uh, car owners had a helicopter. So uh, he said he'd take our camera guy up. Well, he took our camera guy up. And, you know, again, I wasn't thinking, I didn't give him a radio. So he goes up and starts to qualify over the track while the cars are hot lapping. This guy's in a helicopter, basically doing donuts over the track. <laughs> <laughs> the camera guy almost fell out. Several times we we got about three seconds worth of usable footage because of the speed with which he was, and I, I learned that day that there's a no fly zone over Eldora because Larry Bose uh, was uh, running the track at that point there and um, had the Dark County Sheriff's uh, standing behind him and he's on the radio screaming at me to get that helicopter down because there's a no fly zone over the track. This guy's <laughs> literally flying. Like I could see his eyes. I'm standing on the <laughs> I'm standing on the the concrete like in front of the concession the old concession building, and uh, all I had was a couple of reporter pads in my pocket, and I take them out and I'm like making an X and I'm like trying to wave this guy down so he'd see the thing. So he finally lands and I go back out there to check on you know he lands out on behind uh, turn three, and so I wander on out there to try to make sure our camera guy's still in the helicopter and you know tell the guy hey thank you um, we probably won't ever do that again, you know, and, uh, I come back and so I'm, I'm just like, Geez, you know, all worked up and I, I came back in and they were qualifying at that point. And so I'm watching the cars go by on the track and, and then, uh, you know, here comes shots. He goes by and well, Greg, Greg Wilson was still on the track. And of course that was the big, you know, well, I didn't know what all was going on, but I heard I'm listening over the radio to what goes on. And Carlton was asking for, anybody who saw whatever and you know officials were were chiming in from various places and I, I said yeah the car was right there so okay and next thing i know i finally i get myself back into the command center and it's like world war 3 i was like what in the world so i saw shane carson i said shane what's what's going on here and uh, so, uh something happened they gave donnie another lap and i was like oh uh oh uh-oh. and then learned you know that donnie's extra lap bumped steve out of the out of the inversion and the heat race and the whole it was it was quite the shouting match and everything's going on and it's just like i mean I, I had not seen that many drivers screaming and yelling poor carlton is standing there trying to you know answer questions and they're just screaming and yelling it's it's like nothing you've ever seen and so then i hear on my headset the producer in the truck going uh we need to get an interview with steve and i i just i pop my my button on the, the headset and i go yeah, I don't think we do. I really don't think we do. Let's let's just move on. We don't need to talk to Steve. Yeah, we need to talk to Steve. I'm like, oh man. Okay. So I'm like, uh, nobody else is going to go get Steve. I got to Can you go get Steve? I'm like, yeah, okay. I'm like, this is not I saw him going away. I I know what he's looking like. I that's not the Steve I want to talk to. And so I I wander down there and uh his truck he was parked uh, pitted at the first hauler down toward turn one on the front stretch. And so I, I get down there and I walk around the side. And at that point he had the back door was closed because he had told everybody loaded up. We're, we're leaving. So I go around the side door and I, uh, I had, there was a Hoosier tire in the doorway in the the side door of the trailer. And I had sort of like one foot in the trailer into the middle of that tire. And Steve came out and he was, he had not calmed down. Let's just say he had not calmed down <laughs> by that point. And he, I, I backed up out of the door and he's, he's screaming and, and, you know, continuing on from whatever he was yelling at Carlton about. And so I start backing up toward the back and he's following me and he's yelling at me. He's really yelling with the logos on my shirt. He wasn't yelling at me, but he was yelling with the logos on the shirt and um, I'm on the radio. So Shane Andrews was, was uh pit reporting there and I'm on the radio going shane 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 <laughs> shane and and then uh shane kind of swooped in with the camera and the mic and picked up the, the started interviewing it I And mean, i just stepped back and i was like oh, oh, oh. i almost died i almost just died right there that was that was almost the end of me steve i almost died by steve cancer i mean his eyes would have were enough to just like knock you down i mean th- those those steely eyes they like, I never want to see that look again, (laughs) whatever I have to do. I'm never going to do that To, But, um, you know, and in the end, uh, uh, I think, I think Steve made the A and everything, you know, I, I I know he didn't win, so I'm sure it didn't end up the way he wanted, but it was, that was a heck of a, a heck of a, a, an experience. it was one that I'll, I'll never forget that whole backwards walk along the truck with him, Screaming at me, and me just going Shane, Shane, Shane <laughs> in the in the in the headset, trying to get Shane uh, to jump in to pick up the interview for the. Did TV.
2: Shane get the interview?
0: Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He got the interview, and all right. Uh, it was I think that was one of the. I think Speed and Dave Despain, those guys at that point, were doing awards for like, uh, you know, what, I don't remember what angriest or or whatever. Some something. It made some award on on Speed at that point, which. <laughs> Well, I guess, you know, that was cool, but <laughs> yeah, I got that. I got that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I never wanted to go through that <laughs> ever again. <laughs> uh, That's awesome. But yeah.
2: So this, this past year, and, and as I mentioned at the, at the top, um, smiles for Dolac, uh, challenging, it would be an extreme understatement to describe your, your last eight, nine months it's been or so, an adventure. what, for those that don't know, what, what happened, and, and and how how have you still remained smiling?
0: Uh, well, there's, I mean, everybody's been incredible. So, my back was bothering me last summer. Um, kind of started actually when we were all shut down. Everybody started working at home, and uh, so you know we were working, in some cases, literally twenty four seven. I mean, you guys mm-hmm. all know we were we were around the clock doing what Doesn't we could. Know. Um to provide whatever we could content to entertain the fans we were doing uh you know everything we could and it was literally we were we were around the clock yep um so I I started to notice at that point like I had a weird pain in my back and I just assumed it was some sort of like a pinched nerve or something like that so I googled it because that's what you do that's what I do because I don't go to doctors. So <laughs> I, uh, I go with your with, wife being, yeah. Well, yeah, I don't <laughs> even tell her like something's <laughs> bothering me because it, I don't. So, um, I, you know, so it said, well, a pinched nerve, you got to just let it work itself out. So I was let it try to work itself out for most of the summer. I kept thinking, oh, this will, it's going to take care of itself at some point. It has to. And then it started getting worse. And I was like, oh, you know, so I, I uh, one of the cool things, you know, my son, races, carts. And, um, we've done that for a number of years and we switched the type of carts we were racing this year and had the opportunity to go, um, uh, back up home where I'm from there a little farther North up in Wisconsin and, uh, uh do some racing at road America on their cart track there, which for me as a kid. When I went there and we used to camp and watch the races at road America, it was really cool for me to go back there with my kids and in race. So we're there, and um, it was it was bugging me even more at that point. But we were going down to the uh, the one and only at Knoxville, um, and so my folks put the kids on the plane. They flew them back from Milwaukee, and I drove the truck and trailer down to uh, down toward uh, Iowa. And I got about halfway there, and I, it, I couldn't get myself comfortable in the truck, and got out. At some point, you have to put gas in it got out at a truck stop in Cedar Rapids and, and literally fell. I could not, I put one le- one foot down and the right leg went out. Wouldn't even hold me up. And I was like, well, this is not good. So dragged myself back up and uh, kind of took it took it easy for about 30 minutes or so, kind of try to let my back calm down, and drove the rest of the way down to, uh, to Newton where I was staying down in Newton. Of course, they had lost their power. They had that tornado that went through there. So, actually, got to the first hotel I was supposed to be at, and they were closed. They weren't even they weren't even open. Fortunately, the one next door had just opened like an hour an hour beforehand. So, I went to go check in there, got in there, and uh, I called uh, called Jeff Hockman, um, who, because you know, running that event, Jeff was kind of one of the point people on the event. And I said, "Hey, um, you know, just you may want to." he said, "I'm in this room number." I actually gave him the room number, and I said, I, "Something's not right here." But I'll see how it is in the morning, and I'll, I'll see you at the track. And the next morning, it was not any better. And so I called – I actually called Nick and said, hey, you know, if I'm not there, what, what really was I going to do? I mean, Nick had everything covered from a PR standpoint, so there really wasn't much I needed to do there. I called Kendra just to make sure on the credentials and, and some of the media stuff that um, that she and her team had that covered, which, of course, they did. Then um, I called, uh, called Jeff, called Brian Carter – and said, "I think I'm just going to get on the road and head back to Charlotte, because you know when you got a pain in your back, that's what you want to do is drive 18 sure. plus hours <laughs> with a trailer, because yeah. that's the way I roll." Um, so I made it to, uh, uh, well, ultimately I made it to Indiana, and uh, that was it. I was like, "I can't do this anymore." So fortunately, my, uh, I've got uh, my, my wife's sister lives down in Bloomington. They came up, got me. And my wife flew in, we drove the rest of the way down, and uh, she she uh, took me straight to the hospital in Huntersville down here, and they did some tests, and they came out and said, well, guess what, it is it is a pinched nerve in a way, but it's a tumor that's pinching it. And that was uh, that was kind of like, I, I didn't really even know how to react. I don't even know if I did react. I just kind of was stunned. But I'm looking at my wife, who, you know, she's a doctor, so she knows what all is going on, and she was... I got concerned when I saw the look on her face because she knew what what was going on. I'm just, I'm just a guy. And, uh, so next thing, you know, I'm they, they say, okay, we're going to take you downtown and I'm like, I'm whatever we got to do. And I wind up, the next thing I'm, I'm rolling out of an, an ambulance into hospital in downtown Charlotte and they're wheeling me around the corner and there it says cancer center on the floor. And I'm like, well, this is interesting. And, took them about 10 days of talking about five days to really kind of figure out what it was, which it's, it's a form of non Hodgkin's um, lymphoma. And, and then they started the treatment like right away and it involved some radiation, involved chemotherapy. So, uh, you know, I left August 1st with the kids to drive up North. And by the time I got back to my house, speaking of my kids, um, it was, uh, it was like the end of August. So that was quite an adventure. And, and then it was uh, – um, then it was uh, – the whole fall was obviously a whole different world. So after the second round – so each round involved being in the hospital for about a week. I had eight rounds worth of uh, treatments. And so after the second round, um, I had gotten word from uh, – Megan, Jeff, the, the the team here that I may want to keep an eye on social media over the weekend. And I think we were at Dodge City, then sprint cars that weekend and late models. I think we're in Tennessee. I want to say, but all of a sudden my Twitter feed starts blowing up and it's all these smiles for DOLAC decals. And I I said to the guy, I said, I said, well, it's probably a good thing you didn't ask me because I, I just said, don't, you don't need to do that. You don't need to do that but the fact that they did was awesome um i mean i i was literally in tears in the hospital and you'd see that thing and then jacob allen wins the race and he's got the decal on he's pointing to it i was like i hey, darn near lost it in the hospital because you're sitting there and you, you just you have like you don't want to be there you want to be in dodge city if you you know to to be there and, and be part of that but um so that, that led to that, and then after the third round, um, uh, I, I really don't know what happened, but after the third round, um, I went home, and I was home for a day, and I was like, eh, I don't really feel right, and so I went back in, and uh, they decided they had to do a quick surgery on, on my stomach, or on my, really my stomach, but they had to, they had to go explore and do some stuff. So I got a really cool scar now tell People, it's a, it's a hockey injury, is what I tell them. <laughs> I got a hockey injury, took a skate to my gut. Um, but uh, so, so that's October Fast weekend, this is how I equate everything. Is in my life, I'm like, well, here we were Dodge City, now this was October Fast for the Northeast, and we'd put a lot of, of time and effort into that. And um, so uh, that night I it was the Saturday night race, I think it was at Can Am, and uh, I got up, and the next thing I was on the ground, and when I came to, there was a whole bunch of people standing over me. And then the next thing I knew it was, uh, really Thursday and I was in the ICU and I had been in there for whatever, for Saturday, Saturday through Thursday. And apparently, uh, uh, I had, I was out twice, uh, heart hearted, stopped twice, uh, had CPR done, had all this sort of stuff. Um, I d- fortunately don't remember any of it. <laughs> I was out for most of it. So, you know, it's like, I, I don't know how to, you know, I, I don't know what it felt like because I was out. Um, what do you remember when you were
2: told all that?
0: I, I honestly, I, I learned something new about once a week. Like I, I just so, you know, to flash forward through the end of this, um, uh, I got, uh, you know, Ted scan got cleared last week, said cancer's gone, everything, that, everything they found. So not only was there the one tumor on my back, but as it turned out, there were four other clusters, which I had no yeah. clue about. I, I, or three other clusters, I had four total clusters that was, they said it was stage four and I'm like, I don't know what that means, but it doesn't sound good. So, um, I, uh, so everything was cleared. everything they said, the, the treatments, all the stuff, everything I went through cleared it out. But, um, in the process of doing that, they do extra x-rays and scans and stuff. And the last two times they did this scan, they were talking about a rib that I had had, like there was a broken rib in my back. And uh, I kept thinking like that must have been from a you know, an old basketball injury because I, I used to get I used to play a lot of basketball and we played basketball like a lot of people play football <laughs> <laughs> so we 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 you know six fouls was just in the first quarter so we we played pretty rough and um, I figured well I, that had to be an old basketball injury from one of the times I landed upside down on my back and uh, it turned out it was from one of the CPR I, I just learned that. So, um, uh, last week, literally learned that. So it's, it's been interesting to, to learn. Like, I didn't know that they had done CPR on me until I finally said to my wife, I said, why I said, I, I, my ribs are killing me. And, she, and I think she was finally tired of me saying, well, you know, what happened? What happened? What happened? And she finally goes, well, that's what happens when they do three minutes worth of CPR on you. I went, oh, well, okay. I didn't know that. Now I do. Thanks. So, and I've learned different things. It was you know, when you're going through all the, the treatments and they, not to get too medical here or all that, but um, it, it was uh, apparently pretty gory for a while. There was a lot of, lot of blood and I I don't know. I don't remember. I wasn't, I, I haven't seen pictures. I don't, I don't know. But because of, you know, there was what, what dropped me was a blood clot. Ultimately um, pulmonary embolism is the technical term. So it like wedged itself. And when I stood up, the clot, from probably somehow related as a side effect to the treatment I was going through, the clot loosened up and then wedged itself right in my lungs and dropped me like a, like a rock. So, um, the, the people in the ICU figured out what to do in, in an instant. Fortunately, um, I heard the, some, there was a, some back and forth, but they, I, I guess it was really dicey to put it that way. I, you know, I, I felt bad for everybody else because I was out. I was just there. I didn't, you know, but everybody else had to deal with it. My wife, my my mom and dad had come down. Um, my kids, you know, they had to, you know. So I felt bad for everybody else because they all had to deal with it. I, by the time I woke up, I was just being, you know, being kind of agitated and, and probably annoying to everybody because they were, they were all like relieved that I was awake, and I was annoyed with the fact that like I was tied down in things, so I wouldn't take tubes out or I'm <laughs> like. My- waving my arms around my wife said, it looks like you're driving in traffic, you know, like you're waving it, you know, when you get on 77 down here and somebody annoys you in front of you, you start throwing your arms around. She goes, that's what you were doing. (laughs) I was like, Oh, well I didn't, I didn't know. I'm sorry. (laughs) But, uh, yeah. And and, and now I, I mean, I feel fine. There's obviously I got some strength that still has to get built up in uh, my legs and stuff where that, the, the initial deal that dropped me, um, basically hit a nerve that kind of, messes with my uh, my quad on my right side so I just got to get that but it's just a matter of time everybody says patience that's not exactly a specialty <laughs> so i still just waving your arms around yeah 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 <laughs> so I, I you know I, I keep trying to push things and and do whatever i can but uh, uh it's it's nice to be back being back in the office here and you know i've been working from home a lot and working from hospital beds and things like that but um, it's it's a lot easier to be doing it back in the office here.
2: That, that's what I remember about that Octoberfest time period was, it seemed like you you were nonstop throughout that that whole week doing whatever whatever was needed, and and I think there was a, a couple days throughout that week that where you were doing stuff from the hospital bed, and mm-hmm. then we all got an update that was just so out, out, out of left field, which ended up being being that part that you just explained, which was crazy but you said as of a a week ago now Mm -hmm. everything's
0: uh yeah it was uh last last wednesday so you know here we are on this monday so just great week ago they told me the scan came back and looked clean that had to be an awesome day uh very much so yes yeah it it, the whole thing's been very surreal i I don't even know how to explain it um you asked about how do you keep smiling you know it's just that's what i told everybody at the start i was like uh, you know Everybody needs to stay positive. Don't if everybody gets down, it's going to be depressing. So we don't need to be depressed here. Let's just keep smiling. I I said to somebody, just keep smiling, and then you know the the stickers showed up and everybody started running them. I was getting I mean Mike Marler it was in, it wasn't even one of our races. He just had it on his car and he won some race at uh, I think at four eleven, and he uh, he had sent me a picture. I think actually his wife Stacy had sent me texted a picture and um. I, it's, it's just phenomenal. I mean, you, you see it and um, I, I literally at World Short Track, I was in the hospital and I'm watching Dirt Vision and I was watching them put the decal on the back stretch wall. The client service team, uh, those guys were, were rolling that decal out on the back wall. And I've, I'm like, I don't even know what to say. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I'm watching them put a decal with my name on the back wall going, oh, my God. <laughs> But it was pretty cool. We went over there the other day, and I said, no, I'm clean. Let's go take a picture with that. That's the first time I've done a picture with that thing. The kids have the – on the on the carts, they've got the stickers and stuff. And Hearn, Brett Hearn sent me a picture. going. He was loading the truck – or loading his car in the truck to take it down to Florida for uh, Dirk Car Nationals. And he had put the sticker over, his, over the, the roof of the car. That's cool. Um, I mean, it's just – you realize – you know, you go through this in, in – you, you 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 interact with a lot of people over the years and and uh you know I'm older than I, I care to admit that I'm But I am but um been around for a long time I guess and you certainly um hope that you've treated people the right way through the years and then when something like this happens um it it's just uh I I like I said I don't even know words I've said before it's just it's overwhelming and humbling uh I don't even know what to say, other than thank you. But it's it's certainly certainly uh, raises the raises the mood when you see that stuff when you're when you're stuck in a in a hospital. I, I will say the nurses up there at that uh, downtown there at Novant uh, learned a lot about dirt racing over the last six <laughs> months. <laughs> Still <laughs> even that PR going. Yeah, they they would come in there and I'd have the I'd have to turn the audio down. You know, Johnny blaring out. You know, Johnny screaming out the thing, and they'd be like. Is that that that's that dirt racing stuff right because they know what nascar they'd be sure. like oh you work in nascar no i don't work in nascar <laughs> <laughs> no this is not nascar this is way cooler than that
2: we have four wheels on our cars and we turn left and that's where the similarities pretty <laughs> yeah, much end pretty much turn right to go left <laughs> yes yep well yeah. you you mentioned uh positivity and and I, I know i think i can speak nick i think you could probably agree with this on behalf of literally everyone in these offices, that the place has been a brighter and more positive place since you've been able to, to come back and be back. That's here the glow the off my head. The hair hasn't come <laughs> yeah. back yet.
0: You didn't see the shine off the light. Yeah, if you see the, you, know, <laughs> you, you know, no, I, I, it's, it's good. I'm glad.
1: No, yeah, it's, it's great to have you back for sure.
0: Absolutely.
2: And, and we, we thank you very much for being willing to come into this room and sit down on the hot seat and be willing to talk about everything. I hope it didn't burn too bad.
0: No, this is this has been cool. I mean, we, I remember the first episode that these guys that was done here for Open Red, and uh, I, I I think Justin used to get tired of me going, "Hey, you should have this guy. Hey, you should have that <laughs> guy. Hey, you should get." Speaking of which, Carlton, when are you going to do this? You know, so Carlton, <laughs> 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 we're trying to work on that, right? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I think that was always my one. I said, you got to get Carlton on here? Oh, we're trying. So Carlton, <laughs> if you're listening,
1: hopefully yeah. soon. How about- Maybe we can make, maybe, maybe one day. It's maybe painless.
0: Day. It's much less painful than having needles stuck in you for the last eight months. <laughs> 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 Chris, thank you so much for,
2: for stopping by here. And, and like I said, being willing to do this, we really appreciate it. Uh, this has been awesome.
0: Thank you guys. appreciate it. Keep it going. For
2: That's your sure. plan. Thank you. So, big thank you to Chris Dolak for. Coming in here and uh, sitting sitting down with us, and what a journey it's it's been for him over the last eight, nine, nine months to a
1: year. Yeah, it's crazy. Just like I, we will obviously talk back and forth through work, and just talking back and forth through kind of his whole journey is just just crazy. The ride he went on just yeah, uh, just from finding out what happened to that random time having to go in the ICU, Mm -hmm. just kind of shocked everybody, and then getting out of it and just coming back and being free of it, and just. Um, seeing him back in the office now, it's it's crazy, but it's great to have him back.
2: Yeah, it, it's. Uh, I wasn't just saying that because we were talking to him and because he was in the room, but it's really been uh, a breath of fresh air having him back in 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 the offices. There was a, a, a large point in time when he was out, where you know, even though people are going on about their business and doing what they have to do, it, it felt like there was a, a cloud lingering over over the offices here because. In the back of your mind, everyone is wondering, especially that time period in October where he ended up in the ICU, where everyone was wondering uh, if he was gonna gonna pull through and make it out of it. And to know that a, a week ago he got the the all clear after all of that is just absolutely incredible. Yeah, that's so
1: great. Cool. It was always weird coming to the office and seeing his laid off. Yeah, so especially it's nice, because nice to he, see it back on.
2: Especially because he'd be here. Th- th- there were days. Where where I'd be here late because we had a broadcast that went late, and he'd be coming in early, you know. And and and, and when I say early, actually, w- one of them I can tell you was um, we, had an, we had a we had a double header Australian broadcast between Valvoline Raceway in Sydney and Perth Motorplex, same weekend as World Short Track Championships. And he, Chris left. Chris was at the track, came here to do all of his post-race stuff. Left here around 3.30 in the morning. And then around 6, he I heard the door open at the front, and he walked back in. And I'm like, did you even get sleep? He's like, yeah, you know, like maybe an hour and a half, but now we're back. Like, my goodness. And so that light was always on. Oh, yeah. And, and to have it not be on for so long was just very, very strange. And like you said, I'm so we're so glad that it's back on now. I know,
1: I know he's happy. He, I know he's happy to be back. You mentioned um, even when he had the back pain, he just wanted to drive straight back. Like, that was his mentality. I remember when I first started, my very first races were the season openers at Volusia. Um, after the last night of racing, he goes, we're gonna drive back tonight okay, okay. <laughs> so we just drove back straight through the night stopped at a rest stop slept for maybe a couple hours and kept driving just so he could get back and keep working that's just just it's
2: just his mentality yep and th- and it's no exaggeration when when he says he was literally doing work from from oh, his yeah. hospital yeah. bed that is 100 percent true uh he was doing a lot of Coordinating on interviews and, and stories and stuff, literally laying in in his bed in the hospital. I mean, the guy's guy's a workhorse, and it's it's so great that he's back. So great,
1: Nick. I think we're we're pretty much at the end of this one. Yeah. this this is a really was, fun one. That was great. Yeah, it was great to hear from Chris all the stories he has. I know he's. Gonna have more to tell in the future. Hope I get to have them back on. it is kind of it's great to have them back too. Yeah,
2: absolutely. Uh, it's also great to have new dates as we mentioned at the start of this show uh, for the sprint car series. Um, you know, again, just to run run back through it in case you've already forgot. March fifth, going back to Volusia Speedway Park. March sixth, the night after that, the first trip back to East Bay Raceway Park since 1983. Uh, the following weekend, March 12th and 13th, we'll be going to Magnolia Motor Speedway and the Rev to make up those races that should have taken place this past weekend. The weekend after that, March 19th and 20th, we'll be going to Cotton Bowl Speedway for the Texas two-step weekend that should have been taking place this upcoming weekend. Now it's March 19th and 20th. Uh, the weekend after that, March 26th, the US 36 Raceway, the 27th, Lake Ozark Speedway, April 2nd and 3rd, Federated Auto Parts Raceway at I-55 in Pevely, Missouri. Always a ton of fun. Uh, the weekend after that, Kokomo Speedway in Tri-State Speedway in Hopstot. And then we get back on with the regular schedule. Again, that's making up for the races that we've had rained out or, or postponed so far in, in the West Coast Swing that unfortunately can't happen this spring uh, due, due to COVID. Um, you can get your tickets as soon as February 24th at 9 a.m. Eastern Time on... Worldofoutlaws.com, I don't know how I forgot our website there for a second. That was kind of ridiculous.
1: Yeah, it's, I mean, it. worldofoutlaws.com, that's... It's yeah, really
2: easy, and, like, we're on it all day long. Usually. I have no excuse for that one. I'm yeah, just going to own it. That was really
1: I mean, I pathetic. guess you could say you're probably more used to dirt vision than that, but, I mean, I feel like... You're yeah, just, you know what, or I'm just gonna say d- no, disappointed. Yeah, disappointed. That's exactly. Don't you don't need a I'm, I'm me not even out. gonna try and yeah, yeah. Don't,
2: don't try to save me on that one. That was <laughs> pathetic. I I'd like to apologize to everyone out there for that. Um Yes, yeah, so tickets on sale, February twenty fourth, nine a.m eastern time, Worldofoutlaws.com. um there you go. and if you can't make it to any of those races. This is where we go to the other website. Dirtvision.com. Dirtvision.com. Get your fast pass, the platinum fast pass for the year. $299. It's your annual fast pass. And for those that always ask me this question on tech support, does that mean it's good through the end of the year, or is it good for a year from which I sign up? It is good for a year for which you sign up. So if you sign up tomorrow, February 24th, it's good through February 24th, 2022. And then it will renew. Um, so then you're just good to go. And included in the Platinum Fast Pass is the Knoxville Nationals.
1: That's amazing.
2: So awesome. I,
1: just I mean, go if you can't and do be it. there, then you get to watch it. I mean, exactly. It's there. It's just there for you.
2: Exactly. Go and do it. Sign up for that. Get your tickets. If you can make it to any of those races, worldofoutlaws.com. Um, Nick, I think that's it.
1: I think that's a wrap. Pretty All good.
2: Let's wrap it up. Uh, you can catch Nick on Twitter at Nick Graziano, G R A Z I A N O. Correct. Ding ding lo- ding. I ding. love spelling Italian names. They're so much fun. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll spell you my Italian name. It's Rob Blount, B L O U N T. Very not, Italian. Very Italian. I'm I'm Italian on my mom's side, Nick.
1: Is that kind of like in parentheses after your last name? Yeah, just to let people know.
2: Because you look at me and you go, "Yeah, that dude's Italian." That dude has hair for days. This is why Manscaped is a great sponsor
1: for us. Yeah. Perfect.
2: Which, by the way, uh, just one more time for that. Go to manscaped.com. Use code OpenRed twenty. Uh, get twenty percent off your purchase. Um, that would be great if you going to yeah. do that. For Italians like us, you'll love it. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> uh, on that note, uh, thank you all for tuning in. Thank you. Bye bye.
0: Hashtag OpenRed.